0: Hello. Welcome to my podcast. This is Diana. I'm glad you joined me. Uh, I'm going to be talking mostly about uh, Christian fiction, uh, beginning writers. Uh, We're going to talk about story, chapter uh, hooks, uh, research, dialogue, uh, characterizations, one-sheet proposals. Uh, We'll talk about proposals, too, and at one point we'll talk a little bit about memoirs. Anyway, I hope there'll be a topic along the way that will be interesting to you. Uh, I've been writing since probably I was about 12. Uh, I got my uh, my first poem published in a Christian uh, a newspaper, and they sent me a check for a dollar and a half, and I was hooked on writing from that point on. I wanted to be a great writer and travel the world. Well, sometimes life gets in the way. We don't always get what we, what we would like to do. In any case, I... Uh, I continued to write poetry, went on into high school, and uh, worked on the annual staff. Uh, Another poem of mine got published, uh, and uh, I was inducted into Quillen School, an honorary writing society. And so I decided that when I graduated from high school, I wanted to go into journalism. Well, my parents couldn't afford to send me to college, and uh, at that time, you just didn't talk about student loans but my father's oldest sister, she was kind of the family matriarch whom I was terrified of, offered to put me through college, but I had to have an acceptable major. Well, that kind of boiled down to nursing or teaching. And since I didn't like the sight of blood and I was terrified of needles, didn't think that was the right occupation for me, so I became a teacher. And I taught full-time and substituted for over 20 years as I was raising three children. Uh, I wrote some. I wrote for the church newspaper. We had a a rather large newspaper at the time. And various things uh, that I was able to... Anything had to do with writing, I did a little bit of. But while my children were a blessing, and uh, and still are a blessing to me, the marriage was not. And uh, there were some insurmountable problems that uh, could not be resolved that he refused to deal with. And so, uh, 1981, we were divorced. Well... Uh, my fallback occupation of teaching didn't do me much good at that time. They were bumping teachers, closing schools. There wasn't a teaching job to be had. So it was a matter of survival. My husband was unable to help at that time. And uh, it was, we did what we could. I had food to put on the table and keep us from losing our house, and so it was a difficult time. Uh, After the divorce, I was involved in probably two or three uh, relationships that were probably not good for me. They were the wrong person. And uh, I learned a lot at that time. But I was also struggling with all the things the kids had to do and and their soccer and baseball and things they were involved in. And uh, uh, the idea of writing a book was pretty much out of the picture. So I was really discouraged one day, and I sat down and I had been reading through the Gospel of John. I came to the fourth chapter, the woman of Samaria, and for some reason, though I'd read it before, she kind of jumped out at me, and I began to ask questions in my mind, and you know, most stories start with those five questions, who, what, when, where, and why. Why did she have five husbands at that time, and how come she didn't marry the sixth man? And she was a Samaritan, why did the Jews dislike the Samaritans, what had happened? Why did Jesus tell his disciples that they had to go through Samaria? So all these questions, I began to look for answers. I looked for a book on the Samaritans or any information, and I finally found a book. I was working for a private Christian college at the time, a very busy job, but I found a book in their library on the Samaritans and found some very enlightening information. And as I thought, a story began to form in my mind, and I began to see this woman and wonder, you know, what type, what were these other marriages? Was one a divorce? Was one she widowed? You know, how did she happen to have five husbands? They weren't all all divorced. They weren't all widows. You know, she wasn't a widow from all of them. But anyway, those are the questions I needed to answer. In any case, I began to see her that day, and she was walking to Jacob's Well, which was probably a good mile outside of town, and it was fed by underground streams and things. But uh, Samaria was a land of many springs, and uh, the women went to the wells in the town in the early morning or evening to get their water and to gossip, as women do. Well, I don't think this woman wanted to be a part of it, because she was the local gossip. In any case, uh, she was getting her water in the middle of the day, and in that part of the world it could get pretty hot at times of the year, even up to 120, sometimes more than that, degrees at high noon. And that's when she was coming. She just figured she wouldn't run into anybody. Well, on her way, she passes a ragtag group of men, which happened to be Jesus' disciples, who were heading into town to get some food for the master. Of course, they're not going to talk to her, and she's not going to talk to them, so she turns away and looks the other direction, and of course, I'm sure they're wondering what in the world this woman is doing out here by herself at high noon. In any case, they went on, and so did she. But when she approached the well, she saw there was a man sitting on the well. And I'm sure she thought, oh dear, he's a Jew and he's a rabbi. Oh, well, he's not going to talk to me because a rabbi wouldn't even speak to his own wife in public. In any case, she says, I'll just get my water and go on my way. Well, he does a very unusual thing. He reaches out his hand and he asks for a drink of water. And there begins one of the most profound conversations I think you'll find in the scriptures. Little by little, as he shows her his life, her life, she begins to understand what he's talking about. Well, at the end of their conversation, he reveals something really marvelous. He opens up the scriptures to her and opens her understanding. at the end, he reveals himself to her as her Messiah. Well, the Bible says she left her water pot and went into the town. Well, I think she dropped her water pot and ran into the town, and here's this woman, I could just picture her in my mind. You know, they've been avoiding everybody for so long, and here she's standing in the middle of the marketplace, joy in her face, her arms are out. Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Well, when they took a look at her and the change in her, I'm sure their curiosity was piqued, and they began to wonder what in the world she'd seen. So they started following her. And just like the Pied Piper of Hamlin, she led them out of the town, Towards Jesus, And he's standing on the rise with his disciples, and he sees the Samaritans coming towards him. And as he sees him coming, he looked at his disciples, and he said, Behold, the fields are white under harvest. I didn't understand that for a while, but now I realize what he was saying to them. The woman of Samaria was the key to Samaria, for they invited him to come into their town. He stayed two days with his disciples, and he taught them about the kingdom of heaven. The woman of Samaria was the key to Samaria. And the interesting part was she wasn't just the first woman that he revealed himself to as Messiah. She was the first person. So as they're approaching Jesus and half the town is following this woman out to the well, Jesus looks at his disciples and then he looks at the Samaritans that are heading towards him and he says, Behold, the fields are white under harvest. I didn't understand that phrase for a while, but I realized what he was saying to them. And they invited Jesus to come into the town and stay with them. And he stayed two days teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. And people said, well, we believe because of your testimony, but now we've heard him for ourselves. Now we believe because we've heard him. And those that have practiced the dark arts, uh, threw those things at Jesus' feet and and renounced them. We often wondered, you know, how do we know about this story? John tells us in his gospel but he's the only gospel this story is related in and i'm thinking in my mind and i'm not trying to change scripture but just wondered if maybe john stayed behind to keep the master company he always referred to himself as he whom jesus loved and i think he was quietly standing on the side observing all this and since it was many years that he wrote his gospel after Jesus's ascension, uh, I think he told us the gist of the story. In any case, there's a lot of poetic license in writing fiction, and I could make up this story as, as to fill in, mostly. In any case, I've told you some of the things that I did. Uh, as a publisher, I once said, our writer's first book uh, has a lot to do with their, uh, their life. While I didn't have five marriages, like the woman of Samaria, there were five relationships over the years that were probably the, not, not the best for me. And I learned a lot from that. But there were a lot of things that had happened in my life, good and bad, that I was able to incorporate in my stories over the years. When you write from life, you can write from experience and your readers sense that. This person knows, you sense the empathy with you of the things that you experienced. So uh, I did finish this book uh, about in the early 80s or mid-80s. I met a very handsome uh, retired Navy commander, and we were married in 1990, and um, we moved up to Northern California where we bought a house on our honeymoon. Don't know if I recommend that, but this was a good thing, and we lived up there seven years. I started a bookshop and coffee house called The Serendipity, and uh, sold books from my home, and. The problem was, my job at the college had been so busy that I really, when I moved up there, I really didn't have enough to do. And so I joined a Scrabble by Mail group uh, and began playing Scrabble with three or four people a month. And they played tournaments. I didn't, but they did. So I'm spending all this time playing Scrabble and figuring out plays, sometimes two hours on a play. Well one day I was in the middle of a play trying to figure out what to do, and I felt the sense of someone in the room with me, and I paused, there was nobody there. And then I heard that still small voice in my spirit, wasn't out loud, and he said, what are you doing? I'm playing Scrabble. And he said, finish the book and show her as I saw her with love. Well, I pulled out all the chapters and notes and everything that I'd had over the years and the story began to come together. It almost seemed to write itself. I knew where the characters were going and uh, uh, it was fun to write her story. When I finished, I thought, well, I'll go to some writers' conferences and see if I can find an editor who would like to publish my wonderful book. I went to a lot of conferences. Well, I didn't do too well at the conferences and finally a friend suggested to me, why don't you get an agent? Oh need to get a literary agent well being rather naive as to how that worked I called everybody in the Southern California area nobody was taking new writers no one was doing biblical fiction at the time and once again I asked God about that I know in certain terms you know he's pretty patient with us isn't he so I was discouraged one day I went back through the list of agencies in the Christian Writers Market Guide and this time I kept coming back to one name I knew I was supposed to call her but argued with God about how far away she was. Joyce Hart, Heartline Marketing, Pittsburgh, California. Well, that's quite a ways from California. I thought, how are we supposed to get together to have coffee and talk about my manuscript? I told you I was naive. In any case, with fear and trembling, I gathered my courage, picked up my phone, and called an agent I'd never met, lewd in Pittsburgh, and told her about my book. She was gracious, asked about it. She told me it hadn't been done that way and she'd like to see it. Really? You would? I asked her what I should send her. And what was her response? Send me three chapters that'll stand me on my ear. Oh, no problem. Just pick three chapters and send to an agent I've never met who lived across the U.S. from me and impress her. Well, wonder of wonders, she liked it. Signed me to a contract, sent me three other book proposals so I know how to write a better proposal. She wasn't going to do that for me. And to make a long story shorter, Joyce Hart has been my friend and agent for over 12 years and seen me through a lot of books. The path to publication was difficult because though she had lots of contacts, no one was doing biblical fiction at the time. And I finally had to self-publish so I could take the book with me on my speaking engagements. I was traveling around Southern California as a speaker for a Christian group. I did get a little impressed with the idea was an author and people's comments about the book. Well, when we take the praise, God just sits back and lets us stew in our own juice. Nothing was happening with the book as far as a real publisher. You know, I finally one day I came to my senses and I told God I was sorry. Then, if I never got published with a traditional publisher, it was all right. Thank you for letting me write the book. And it was his book. You know, I think God has a sense of humor because when you let the holy spirit be your co-author and give god the glory wonders things can happen and i say when i finally came to my senses and gave it back to god because a week later joyce called me she talked to a friend at revell they were now doing biblical fiction and she asked joyce if she had anything for them she said yes i do and she we sent them the manuscript the rest is history i did 4 books Uh, novels for them and then was picked up by Whitaker House. I wrote five more biblical fiction novels. It's been a journey of joy and tears but you know we don't learn on the mountaintops, we learn in the valleys. Now here's my email address, writerlady75 at gmail.com. As I said, please feel welcome to contact me with comments and questions and I'll address them on the next podcast. This is my first venture into podcasting. So, as you can see, I'm still working out the bugs. I also do a weekly blog on Diana Wallace Taylor Facebook. And I have Diana Wallace Taylor author page. Next week, we'll talk about finding your genre. If you have a friend who might be interested in my blog or podcast, I hope you'll tell them about it. Journey to the Ink Pot, Wednesdays, hopefully around 10 in the morning. And I look forward to hearing from you. Until then, may God bless and encourage you.